just like the missions minister to come carrying baggage, lots of luggage. This is nothing compared to the 17 bags we came back with from Turkey, but it is indicative of some of the things that we brought back with us. I think in the first month that I was here, back from Turkey, uh, I got to be part of our campus ministry welcoming to, to all of the students who are coming in at Faulkner. Some of them are here today. I, I know some of the soccer team are here, and I was talking with the soccer team, and I used a, a word, a blunder, an untranslated word, really, when you think about it, and I said, uh, you know what? I really love football. And the soccer person looked at me really strange, and he said, you mean soccer? And I said, oh yeah, you call it soccer, don't you? <laughs> so sometimes in life, uh, we need translation. We need people to help us to convey our message. And today I'm going to use a little bit of physical aid for translation purposes as I talk about our goals for Mission Sunday. We have a big goal. We want to hit $224,000. That, that is bigger than last year. Uh, it's, it's really close to what our budget was, though. Even though it's bigger than last year, you guys gave so much last year that we were able to spend that much in helping a lot of different places. And so we know that God is capable of moving through you to do this great work. And we're anticipating even greater things this year. We believe that God's Spirit is moving in His people, that it is alive and active, and that that will bear fruit in many ways. Uh, today, it just happens to be monetary. <laughs> we will be talking a little bit about that, but really, I want to talk about God's Spirit and His desire to send, and the fact that we are sent to be agents of God Himself. And we're going to look at John chapter 20 a little bit later. But first, I want to take a minute to think back on all that God has done through this church just in 2023. So uh, if you throw up that graphic, uh, it comes with, with just the places and things. There we go. Perfect. It's a map. We sent money last year to refugees and immigrants uh, in many places, but we also sent people to be members uh, who had grown up in this church who are going to relate to refugees and immigrants. It's one thing to give money. It's another thing to send people and let those people show the love of God. And so we helped with startup costs with a family who went to the UK, to Birmingham, not Birmingham, Alabama. I had to correct somebody one time. I said, Birmingham. They said, Birmingham, England? I said, yes, Birmingham, England. We helped people go to Birmingham, England this year. And you know what? Even though they're in England, it's not really the English people that they're reaching out to. They're reaching out to the millions upon millions of immigrants who are coming from Pakistan and Iran and the Middle East, Afghanistan, who, because of their history, are able to get to London and get to Birmingham and start finding jobs. And so they live right in between. They told me when I was talking with them, this family lives right in between an Iranian Muslim man and a Buddhist background family. And they're like, we're not sure which of these religions we really should study up on every day because we don't know who we're gonna, God is going to put us in contact at any given time. But they're a light there in the UK. At the same time in February of last year, just one year ago, Tomorrow, one year ago tomorrow, there was a giant earthquake that leveled over 100,000 buildings in central Turkey. And this church gave generously to help with the physical needs of the people who were suffering 
from that time. Now, we were part of a large gathering of people from the United States, churches all around the world collected, and just through the small church that I had the privilege of serving in in Antalya, we were able to distribute over half a million dollars in aid to that part of the world. And today, because of that aid, we are seeing churches started in parts of Turkey that have never had churches before. In a little city, not so little, on the Euphrates River called Adiaman. They now have a container church. They took a couple of containers, stacked them on each other, and now on Sundays, church, four different churches are sending missionaries from their churches to go and have a Sunday service with these people who are uh, suffering from loss and who are seeking our Lord and Savior. At the same time, we send our youth. We don't just send money. We don't just send People far away, we send our youth nearby so that they can learn the value and importance of reaching out to the homeless and needy in the communities here. And I'm excited to see that last year's project was so great that we have most of those youth returning and twice as many more interested in going this year for our project in June. God is doing great things. At the same time, you know the ministries that happen in this building here locally. The U.S. flag sits here because we continue to be all of us. We are God's agents sent to the people of our communities. And Buddy does such a great job of pointing that out to us, reminding us that, and every time as we leave this place, we have written before our eyes a commission to go and tell the nations of Jesus' love and tell our communities that He cares for them. But we didn't stop there. We continued to give to places like Tanzania where we've sent people before. And wells have been dug and the thirsty have been given water. And we continued to send representatives and funds to help the Amari, people we've been praying about this month, the mothers, the house mothers of the orphanage in Malawi at Tendere Village. So we continue to keep all of these things going. And at the same time, we continue to support our long-term workers in Turkey. We're so thankful for them. We're so thankful that one of them could be with us today. And we're also very, very thankful for those who continue to hold the torch there in the city and and serve the people there. Uh, They are doing what sometimes we fail to do. And, And And I'm not just discouraged by the fact that sometimes I fail to do this thing, but I'm also discouraged because it seems like there's been a trend of failing to do this recently. Over the last six years, since 2018, you can go to the next slide, we've seen a lot of our long-term missionaries come back off the field for reasons that were totally outside of their control. People had to come back from China. The pandemic created issues. We had to leave Turkey last year. Tanzania had a long-term, our longest-term missionaries in a long time come back after doing meaningful work. And, And they continue, all of these people continue to do God's work where they are. Don't get me wrong. But it's discouraging as a person whose job it is to send people internationally to see people coming back. And, and, and so uh, it reminded me a little bit of playing soccer with my two-year-old son. I call it, I'll call it soccer for the purpose of this. When my two-year-old son, almost two-year-old Luke, gets the ball, very rarely does the ball come back to me. He takes the ball, and if I'm over here, he runs this way. It becomes a game of catch the child, not the ball. And uh, as I thought about it, I thought, so often we do the same thing with God's Word. We get God's Word, and we don't pass it on to the person we're supposed to pass it on to. We just hold on to it for as long as we can. 
it's a little bit, if you would allow me to use a more colloquial term, a more local term, as if a quarterback were to receive the football snap from the center and just hold on to it. You know what happens then. The guy is going to suffer a horrible sack or, at best, maybe turn it into a little run. Uh, but the, the goal for a quarterback is to distribute, to send the ball. That's why we use the word mission. I don't know if you know, I, I mentioned this in a, in a Lord's Supper discussion at the beginning of the month. The word mission is the Latin word to send. And I think Buddy even reiterated that a couple weeks ago. To send, to send. We use it for missions. We also use it for missiles. And I made an embarrassing uh, analogy and said we send love missiles to people when we send our missionaries. That is probably not the right image that we should have. <laughs> we should be sending God's Word. And when I think of that, I think specifically of one of the women in the church in Turkey. Her name is Muzain. And Muzain uh, was actually brought up not too long ago in our class time. Devry mentioned her because she was the one who invited his grandmother to church. Uh, but Muzain is a cantankerous woman. If you were to meet Muzain on the street or you were to see her come in at church, she would come in five minutes late and she would be staggering. You might think she was drunk. She has some problems with her, her legs. Uh, and she would stagger in and she would move and sit behind the piano. If, if this was the stage, she would be sitting right here and she would insist that if the window wasn't open on a hot summer day, that we first open the window and let all that hot air in so that she could breathe because she cannot breathe in air conditioning. She, she's, she is a very muzmuz woman is what I would say. Muzmuz in Turkish means very picky. Now, at the same time, she's nearly deaf and, it, and she does not turn her hearing aid on very frequently. And in our life groups that we have with her, and I had the blessing of being in her life group, uh, she would yell at you at the top of her lungs, and you would respond as loud as you could in polite society, and she would just be angry and say, forget it, I'm just here for no reason at all, you know, I can't believe I'm even here listening. And yet, I'm putting her forth as the embodiment of God's sending, His giving to send for the Turkish people. And the reason that she is, is not because of all those things. Those we put up with and love as her very odd tendencies. What we love about her most is that she never stops inviting people to church. This woman brings all of the old people from her retirement home to church. She brings anyone she meets on the street to church. She brought most of the young men who I got to study the Bible with, she brought to church, and she usually brought them because she had been pestering their mothers and saying, your son doesn't have a job. I'll tell you what he needs to do. He needs to come to church. He needs to get his life right. Uh, and so a lot of us are here in this church today because of people with this tenacity, this desire to go and tell people, go to church, and they send you to church. Well, I believe that embodies the message of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus got a hold of Mary Magdalene in the Garden of Gethsemane just after he had risen from the dead. And she wanted to grab hold of him. She wanted to hold him tight like that soccer ball. She wanted to not let him go. And he said, don't touch me. I have not yet returned to the Father. But he says, I'm sending you back to my brothers. Tell them I'm coming. 
And then he appears to them on a Sunday night. They're all gathered in a room with the doors locked. They're afraid that the Jewish leaders are going to come and they're going to persecute them like they killed Jesus. And they're so afraid they have no evidence that Jesus has come except the words of Mary. And when they're there and still doubting, as we all do, we have doubts many times in our lives, they're still doubting, Jesus appears to them and says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he created this pattern, this pattern that we see throughout Scripture and that we've seen throughout history that we're a part of now, this cycle that is an important cycle of life, spiritual life. God gave and sent. How did he give and send? He gave generously and sent. We all know John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave, what is the next line? His only begotten Son. That is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks for Muslim people to believe that God could give like this. That God would even consider himself able to stoop to that level to give. But he didn't just give. In Galatians 4, Paul reminds the Galatian church that when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. So he didn't just give, but he put him out there. Uh, if you've ever received a pass that was just a slight give, you, you recognize that it might not be wholehearted. I've seen it happen. A quarterback goes to pass the ball, to, to give the ball to the running back, but he's not sure. He holds back and the ball gets fumbled. So there's, there's another portion of, of football, at least, that is a good analogy for the gospel, is that you have to put all your strength behind it to send it. And God put all of his strength behind Jesus Christ when he sent it. God gives himself for per- three purposes I'm going to talk about today. The first one is that he gives himself to us for us to share in his peace. Jesus' first greeting is a common greeting in the Middle East, peace. But I believe it's also very timely and apropos for the disciples themselves. They were feeling afraid. And we often are feeling afraid. When people are coming off of the mission field and people are being sent back and denied, it builds in our hearts a fear. And when I spoke to college students earlier in the year, right after I had been kicked out of the country of Turkey, I told them to remember that when they go, they become representatives of God's work in those places. And if they come back and the only report they have is, man, it was hard and we suffered and things were bad and then they kicked us out, then that is not the message that God wants you to hear. God is a God of hope and peace, and he wants his people, when they go, to be at peace. So Jesus repeats himself as he is talking and addressing the disciples. He says, peace be with you. And he says it again and again. God gives us peace as he sends us out. I love that even in the class today as we were talking about how we know that the Spirit is sending us, it was an abiding peace in the decision that was such a key element for those people who are going to the mission field in discerning whether the Spirit was calling or not. Let's go and look at the next point. God gives us His power for us to forgive others 
on his behalf. And this can become a really big theological discussion about who has the right to forgive sins. And I don't want to go into all of the depth of that because it's pretty plain here that God says, you, the disciples, have the authority to forgive other people's sins. Let's look at the verse. It says in John 20, verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This in John is, is where we see the authority of the Holy Spirit given to the disciples. And people will say, that's fine. That's for the disciples to have. But I'm telling you, this is, this is for us to have. This power is for you and me. Every one of us who have been baptized, who have been filled with the Spirit, we have the authority to forgive sins. Why? Because Jesus, at the point when he was most harmed by people, forgave people's sins. He sat on the cross, and to the very people who were killing him, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So we have the authority and power to say God has forgiven you. It's not necessarily our forgiveness. It doesn't even say that you have the authority to forgive people who sin against you. It just says you have the authority to forgive sins. And if you forgive them, they are forgiven. That's a little bit hard to believe. And yet, that is what the gospel is. When we share the gospel, when we send it, we're sending it saying, God has forgiven the world. God has forgiven the world. And because God has forgiven the world, I can forgive you too. (laughs) And that's the harder one. God has forgiven the world is an easy thing to say. But I think Jesus put that portion in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Because we need a daily reminder of the fact that God has forgiven the world already. It's amazing to work in God's power to go with that good news. Because there are many people for whom that is a difficulty to believe that God has forgiven them. And really, it's a problem for us here today. The people who I counsel, who ask about their salvation, they feel like, maybe I'm not right with God. Maybe He hasn't forgiven me yet. And and that is a message that I want you to hear today, and I believe that the church wants you to know that you are forgiven. Come receive that forgiveness. If there is something lacking in your understanding, God will make it whole through His church. In the next slide, we see the third and final thing that I want to mention that God gives to us today, and that is authority for us to discern the receptivity of others. And that is what we have been praying for this season. For the month of January, the leadership of the church, the mission's vision team, the elders, and many of you have gathered together in prayer and asked the Lord to help us discern where it is we should go, and how it is we should spend our money. And we will continue to do that from now until the end of time because that is where our authority comes from. It comes from God, and when He tells us to give, then we give. When we understand that He's told us to give, we do that with hope. Even sometimes when it looks like the things we are giving to are not immediately fruitful, God is working in those things. But if we keep everything to ourselves, if we just stay a man and a woman in this world, receiving God's word, understanding it, living in the freedom of it, 
and we do not send it, then the message is meaningless. It has no meaning because essentially we've looked at the example and we have done the opposite. I, I love Pepperdine University has a verse from Matthew that says, Freely you have received, freely give. It's their motto. And I think it's ironic that it sits there at the cafeteria where the people who are living on the meal plans have already paid an arm and a leg to go to that university and eat at that cafeteria that's beautiful, looks out over the Pacific Ocean. But I believe what they're encapsulating is the spiritual understanding that God has given us freedom in Christ. He gives freely. We too should give freely, generously. I have five children. And giving to a child freely with five children can be dangerous. You want to give generously, but you realize that four other children are watching when you give that one child a treat, a birthday present, anything. And you have to weigh out, can I give it to each of them? God does not have those limitations. He doesn't want those limitations. He is a God who gives freely. If He gives freely, we too should be able to give freely, especially when it comes to the word of the gospel and forgiveness of the world. So let us talk just briefly about what we are sent to do. We are sent to give. And that is why I am up here today is to ask you to give. Uh, All of you are here in this place. You've been sent here. You didn't arrive in this church building at nine months after your mother uh, you know, found out she was going to have a baby. You were sent here by somebody. Maybe it was a Muzain. That, that lady whose name is going to be impossible for any of you to pronounce her name means, by the way, adorned. So this woman who is adorned is adorned more by the num- numerous people who have come to this church time and again than the wrinkles on her face, which are many. Uh, so we are sent to give. Let's look at this, what Jesus says one more time. As the Father sent you, Uh, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So he gave us an example, and he sent us. So just as God gave of himself, we are called to give of ourselves. Let's look at that first point. We give of ourselves so that God will share his peace with others. Sometimes it feels very tumultuous to be that person, to have to do that. Other times it's really natural. Uh, But we give of ourselves in the way that Jesus gave of himself, in the way that God gave of himself himself. The second thing we do is we give of our power so that God will forgive others. It takes everything in us sometimes to forgive. It is an act of power to do that because it is an act of denial of self. That was one of the things in the sermon series that we've done so far. If you want to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself, we said. That is an act of power, to deny yourself. I see it in the lives of people who accomplish great things, the act of self-denial. Maybe it's to deny food and lose hundreds of pounds. Maybe it's to deny that desire for an addiction that you've formed over your years and to be free and overcome like so many of our members of this church have overcome amazing things. And they have added such great depth of insight to this church because of that. That's why RSVP ministry is a missions effort. It is one of those places where people learn the power that comes from forgiveness. Let's go ahead and look at the third point. We give up our authority so God will be received by many. We have this authority to keep forgiveness from people. He said, anyone you don't forgive is not forgiven. And yet, I don't think he intended for us to withhold 
that forgiveness. I think he intended for us to understand the importance of it. If you don't forgive these people, they're not forgiven means you better get out there and start actively forgiving people. And missions is that forgiveness. It's telling the world that God has forgiven them and we forgive them even though they may have not done anything wrong to us. The good news is that Jesus rose from the dead and there was no lasting mark from the punishment of our sin. So let's look at this formula, very simple. God sent Jesus into the world to be our forgiveness. Jesus sends us to tell of God's forgiveness in the world, the disciples. And the disciples continued to the nth degree. Those of you who are like math algorithms, to the nth degree just means you keep going until the formula ends. You just keep plugging in that formula, plugging it in, plugging it in. Keep sending, keep sending God's forgiveness because as you send God's forgiveness, His kingdom continues to come. So now I want you to hear about the way in which we do this best around God's table as Buddy Bell shares with us from God's Word. You know, we've been so blessed through the years uh, to be at Ascend. And uh, we were so blessed a few years ago to, to send the Brindleys to Turkey. But I want to say today, one of the greatest blessings has been a surprise blessing to us, sort of re- reverse sending, in that God sent the Brindleys back to us. Can we applaud that and say excited? So what are we sharing, whether we're in inner city Montgomery or your neighborhood or your school or we're going all the way to Turkey, what are we sharing? We're sharing this good news. And one of Jesus' great pictures of this is what's called the great banquet. It's in Luke chapter 24. And if you look at that, and if you really research what a banquet was back then, it's much different than some of our banquets. Um, if, if you grew up in a church that did not support dancing, uh, you, you were told not to go to a senior prom, but you could go to a what? A senior banquet. Boy, was that fun. I'm, I, I mean, I've spoken at a lot of senior banquets. Can you imagine going to listen to a preacher? You should say, man, that sounds exciting, buddy, okay? Because when the Bible talks about a banquet, guys, we've lost the word party to the, to the world. I mean, a banquet in that day was an amazing party. If you research it, it normally would last for days and weeks. And so when God says, I want you to come to my table, I want you to come to my banquet, he said, I want you to come to something full of joy and exuberance. Now, there's a great parable in Luke chapter 24 where the people originally invited begin to make excuses and don't come. And and, and God says, I want my table to be full. Listen to this passage on the screen. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of the banquet. The ones invited turned it down, and now God says, I want everybody to come. I want them to come to this table. God's one of the great symbols of Christianity is meeting around a table. In ancient days, in first century life, to eat at someone's table was a symbol of fellowship and of love. It was such a beautiful thing. And God says, here's what my kingdom looks like. 
It looks like people meeting around a great table with sumptuous food and having a great time. And in God's kingdom, he says, there's always a place for somebody else. You ever been at your house and you're having a great meal and someone shows, un, shows up unexpected? And, and you're not upset, you're so glad that they're there. A couple years ago, we were celebrating Stephanie's mom's 80th birthday. And most of the family was there and we're all sitting there around the table eating when coming through the door is her grandson, who we didn't know who was coming, who lived in Montana. And all of a sudden he comes through the door, what do we do? We go, hey, you can go eat in the kitchen. No, 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 you spread a place, you pull a chair up, you, you put the plate there in front of him. And in God's kingdom, that's what Jesus is saying. We want everybody to come and be a part of a table. We're going to make room for them. You ever been to a restaurant and seen a table like this? You ever seen those? Can I ask anybody, please confess and raise your hand if you have ever moved a table like that. Oh, I, almost everybody. Yeah, you, you go in that restaurant and maybe more of your friends show up than you expected or your life group shows up and you want everybody, if possible, be at the same table. So you start scooting those tables around. I, I found the old adage to be true. It is better to ask forgiveness than permission. All right, don't go ask the restaurant people if you can move the table. Just move it. And before long, you got a big U or you, you got a T or you have an L or maybe something that looks more like an octopus. But you're making room. Guys, that's the picture I want you to get real quickly as we come to the Lord's table today. There's always room for somebody else. And in God's table, we're always setting another plate. We're always pulling another table. And guys, that's what you're giving to today. If we boil it all down, we're giving to invite people to the banquet, not just here in Montgomery, but across the world. And by your offering today, what you're saying is, we're pulling another place up at the table. There's food for everybody. I love the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God Here's the way the message translation puts it. More and more grace to more and more people for more and more praise for God. And guys, as we meet around this table right now, we celebrate the grace of God. The Bible says God's grace is unending. We will never come up short on this meal. And so we're sharing more and more grace with more and more people. Because the bad news we always hear in America is the church is shrinking. The good news is globally the church is exploding. More and more people are coming to Christ. And we get to be a part of that. And all of this leads to more and more praise to God. So in the next few moments, we're going to go to this table. And I want you to be reminded as you go and you take of the bread of the cup, that you be reminded that that was the price paid. For us to come to a table when there's endless grace, I don't care what you've done, there's endless grace, more and more grace. And as you go to those tables, you might even meet somebody new here in our church because that grace is not just more and more grace, it's for more and more people. And as you pray during this communion time, 
Let's be praying about all these places that God is opening for us to share the good news we celebrate at the table. Let's pray together. God, we, um, we love this table. And we're thankful that when Jesus wanted to describe his kingdom, he didn't describe it as some boring event. He described it as a big, big party. And Father, help us to experience that around the table today. Because Lord, we know that you are giving more and more grace. I know I need it. Everybody in here needs it today. And Lord, you have put us on this mission that we're celebrating today to share this with more and more people. And we thank you for the people that are here today. We thank you for the people in Tanzania and Malawi and Turkey and all across the world that we've been blessed to go. And Lord, may we picture this ever-expanding table. And because of that, Lord, may you receive more and more glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we come to the application of God's Word, and I promise it will be brief, but at the same time, sometimes application is the hardest part, especially for those who, of us who love to speak theoretically like myself. <laughs> sometimes uh, we get caught up in what God did and, and what we can do, and then we don't do it. So I want to talk just briefly about three ways that we can send and give. If God had three ways that he sent and gave for us, then we can find three ways easily that we can do that as well. And this is just a this is not a just a list of everything. It's not an exhaustive list of what we can do, but it's three simple ways that I believe that we as a church need to be involved in mission today. And the first one is we send our prayers. And each of you, as you came in today, some of the members of the MVT and others have been handing out, and we've been doing this all month, prayer cards. So a, a little prompt for you to write a prayer on the back for one of our mission efforts. In that way, you are partnering with our missionaries. It is the most simple. It costs the least amount, and yet at the same time, it shows that you care about those people. It, you care what God is doing in their lives. And as you care, it becomes harder and harder to not do the second and the third thing I'm going to talk about. And, and I know that's why sometimes we shy away from the first. We don't pray because we don't really want to commit to God's mission in the world. But if we start praying, we start loving, we start recognizing and thinking about, and we begin to appreciate the value of what God has placed in other cultures, in other places, in other people, in our community. And so uh, we begin to know the value of those people. We can forget their value when we forget about them. So let us commit ourselves today to praying for our mission efforts. And you've seen a list. They will continue to grow as we continue to pray. The second thing that you can do is you can send from yourself your members. That is exactly what God did when He sent His Son. He sent His most valuable member of His family, His, His inheritor. He sent Him to earth so that He could be with us. So when we send the members of our church to far-off places, we're partaking in the very likeness of God. When Peter says that God says, be holy as I am holy, this is the kind of way which we can be holy, by giving 
of our own sons and daughters. I marvel at Hannah's response when she received Samuel, that she would commit him to going right back to the, the place that she had asked for it from. She said, if you give it to me, I'll give it back. Well, that is what we do when we send our members back to the mission field, is we recognize that God gave them to us in the first place. Let us not be hesitant, then, in sending those we love, those who have great value to us here in this place. And, and let us remember that when we send them, we are to equip them to be powerful. And the way we equip them is by sending our money. Uh, in, in the lives and the time that we live now, we're not sending people with chickens and, and furniture across the sea. We're sending them with money so that they can purchase those things in those places. At times, there are other things that we do with the money. We help them by sending containers of clothes at times or by sending containers of food or by selecting. We, during the earthquake period, we sent truckloads of water because people didn't have water to drink in earthquake zones. So we use the money to do things, but the money is indicative of a measurement of how much we are committed to those members we've sent and those works that we are doing. So I trust today, as you've all received one of these pledge cards, you may have been surprised to find out this was Mission Sunday. If you did, that's not your fault. It's probably mine. Uh, but but uh, it's Mission Sunday, hey, if you've been sleeping through the service, <laughs> And, and there's this commitment to missions card that you each got. You can write your name at the top and write in your email. And you can either select today I'm giving or the second option I intend to give. And you can put that over a period of time beginning on a certain date. And we will help you by reminding you that you have pledged to do this. Uh, and we will be so thankful when your total, which is what you put here, it's not a very difficult math problem. If you can't figure any of the other stuff out, just write the total in the bottom. That one will help us know whether we've met our goals budgetarily or not. You can give electronically through our website. There's going to be a slide up here in just a second that will show how you can do that. And uh, please remember to make any checks that you bring forward payable to Landmark with missions in the memo line. Now, everything given today, whether you give to missions or not, is going towards the missions budget for the year. And we thank the elders and the church for deciding long ago that they would dedicate one Sunday and the giving of one Sunday to the help of the nations. And uh, I appreciate the wisdom in that because I see that it gives us a deadline. I'm really good with deadlines. When there's a deadline, I tend to work hard leading up to it. When there's not a deadline, I may think, I can send that later. I can write in that check. And I usually end up paying a fine on most of those things. Uh, there's no fine here. The only fine is that you will have missed out on the opportunity to invest now. And so I, I'm going to ask now, before we sing this song, I'm going to ask the missions vision team members who are here today to come and take these baskets. And then I'm going to invite everybody, whether you're giving or pledging or not, to come today. Give yourself to the Lord. Bring a prayer on a prayer card. If you need prayer today, give yourself in that way. That's the next step in giving for many of you. If you want prayer, come here. We will pray for you. And... Um, the rest of you, please come and bring your generous offerings to the Lord today. I'm going to pray briefly and then invite you to stand and we will sing a wonderful worship song that has been written for this occasion at this time uh, that has 
an amazing group of photos of the works that have happened over the last year. As you walk forward, watch those and be amazed at the good things that God is doing through you. Father, thank you. I pray that you give us generous hearts as we come forward. Now give us courage to step out and bless this offering in Jesus' name.